Je souhaite que vous aimez mes chansons et dansez quand vous l'écoutez. Et je souhaite que vous me comprendez, mais je sais ce n'est pas vrai. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan Dwight, and this is the only official podcast of Waxwork.com. We have a jam-packed show tonight, today, this hour, wherever and time that you are in. So let's get right into everything and introduce all of your fellow co-hosts. Like I said, my name is Jordan Dwight. I am the mainest of main hosts because it's my website and it's about stuff that I've created. So there you are. But let's move on to the next guy. This is Frank Allen. Hey, Frank. Hello, Jordan. How are you doing today? Very well, very well. Um, oh, Frank, um, did you do anything exciting in Bampton? We, we, we weren't on the show last week because um, we took a, a break and we, we went up to visit Binghamton where we used to live. Did you do anything exciting in Binghamton? Uh, no, not really. I was going to try to record something, but uh, I didn't, so no. Oh, okay, well, you that's kind of lame. What did you do? Did you see, like, friends? Uh, not so much, no. I mostly just sort of uh, went back to where I used to live and looked at it and, uh, you know, sort of went around. Why, did you do anything exciting? Yeah, I did. I, I did lots of uh, Rocky Horror. I did three shows of Rocky Horror. I was Well, I was in two of them. I watched one of them, and then they also did a show of Shock Treatment, the sequel to Rocky Horror, so that was pretty exciting. Oh. That doesn't sound like the kind of thing I would think would be fun. Well, no, it does, I don't think you'd like it, but okay. Uh, moving on, we have Mr. Rory Sinjin, who also went back to Binghamton. Rory, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing quite well, thank you. And I actually had a very eventful uh, time in Binghamton because I, I uh, called up all my former clients from back when I was studying there and um, got to put in lots and lots of readings. So it wasn't a very relaxing weekend, but it was a very profitable weekend. I made lots of money. Oh, good. So I brought you back to Binghamton so you could scam people. Uh, no... As, again, I'm not a scam artist, so I do I do give an actual you know service. I am a a a service artist, not a scam artist. Well, oh, it's interesting you call it an art rather than a science. Well, it is. A, it's a, it's also a science. Arts and sciences are the same thing, really. Not so much from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, in a musical is is like math. Music is math, and paintings are, are using the visual spectrum, which is you know can be quantifiable. So perhaps there's a way to quantify a painting as pleasing mathematically and scientifically. Uh, you know, it's possible. Uh, th- uh, some people say taste is subjective, but perhaps it's not. Perhaps there's a way to make it absolutely, completely understood. The, look, the point is, it doesn't matter. Arts and sciences, uh, that's not what I'm here to debate, and I'm not here to debate at all, in fact. I'm here to just say thank you for having me on the show, and I'm going to continue to be so. Right. Right. Um, good. Good. And finally, uh, the one of us who didn't go back to Binghamton, Mr. Scape White. How are you doing, Scape? I'm doing very well. Uh, I stayed here with Mom. I was the man of the house, so that was pretty exciting. Yeah? What did you do? Did it, did you, like, do anything extra manly? Uh, well, Dad, I did uh, sleep a lot, but also I killed demons when Mom was not paying attention, so... Did you? Yeah, I did. Uh, also... I, uh, you know, clean myself. Okay. I guess, is that especially manly? Do you, you, I think you do that when you're not the man of the house. Well, maybe that means I'm always the man of the house. <laughs> you're not. Escape, you're not. It's me. How can you tell? Well, I don't know, because I'm a man and I'm bigger than you. Look, forget it. You're just a boy. I'm like, I'm like eight years old, so I'm not a boy. Well, you are, because we cut off your testicles when you were really a baby, so you will kind of always be a boy. Dad! Why again did you say it? Well, because it's the way I win arguments against you. That's not fair! That is 
super unfair. Sorry. Anyway, before we get to the you know shows, I did want to talk about uh, the election. The election was last Tuesday, and if you listened to last week's fill-in episode, you heard me kind of endorse Barack Obama. So obviously, I'm very pleased that he won the election. That's very exciting. We haven't, we didn't talk about the election at all beforehand. We talked about some fake election stuff in the other Epic Echoes world, but we didn't talk about the real election. So uh, I thought we'd take a moment to talk about the election. Uh, how are you guys feeling? Do you feel new and different? Do you feel like the world has already changed? I feel pretty good about it. I'm really happy that Barack Obama won. So. Wait. What? You are? You, you're happy he won? I thought, well, I would, I don't know. I thought you would have voted for John McCain. You, you know, four years ago, you voted for George Bush. So, well, yeah, look, that's because I, I, at the time, I thought George Bush was the best person to lead the country, but now I, I don't. And also now I don't like John McCain either. I mean, he, at the, again, in, in the year 2000, he was doing pretty well, but, you know, uh, he, he doesn't, he's not making decisive action. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. So I didn't want to vote for him. Also, he's kind of a jerk. I don't know if you noticed. No, I noticed. I just, I thought that you would, Feel some sort of jerk connection to him. No, I don't know. I just thought you were going to vote for him. So, well, I didn't. I don't know what what you take me for. I mean, clearly, I was voting for Obama. Obama's competent. Well, I I agree. Why are we? Where are? I don't know. I guess there's no argument about this. That's weird. I would have thought there was. I mean, what? Did, yeah, Rory, didn't you think he was going to vote for McCain? Uh, well, well, no. I would have assumed that he would vote for Obama because he and I don't agree on much at all. Oh, wait, wait what? You gonna you you were you voted for McCain? Your first time able to vote in America, and you voted for McCain? Well, yes, I don't, I don't see why, why that's such a problem. I mean, the way I look at it is, uh, Obama was going to raise taxes for people who make more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. So that's not really something I want to support. You make over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year doing extra history. Oh well, no, no, no. I, of course I don't. I I make you know. A, a, a much smaller amount than that at this time. But I, you know, continue to build my business and eventually, yes, I do hope to make $250,000 a year at least. So I want the person who would give me the most money as possible. In the future. Well, the future is where I will live someday, as as, as we've been told. So yes, I do want things good in the future. At the expense of the present. Well, I don't really see it as at the expense. Look, he's a war hero uh, for your country back then. Of course, I wasn't part of it at the time, but he was a, a war hero and he, he, he was... Look, I, I, don't, I don't think I have to defend myself he lost so it doesn't make a difference does it but um you know i was i was trying to look after my financial interests your maybe possibly future financial interests and even if even if you were making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year like the economy is tanking republicans are in charge he's another republican do you really think he's going to be that different or he would have been that different well look uh, no one can know can they because it's it's over and uh we'll find out if barack obama can help everything look it, i don't have to justify myself again perhaps i had you know knowledge of some sort of other world where john mccain was a good president another world actually that brings up a good point whenever we talked about the election before, you said that as a historian, you know who's going to win. So why didn't you vote for Obama if you knew he was going to win, since that was part of history? Uh, well... No, it's actually uh, it's actually quite simple because just because I knew that Obama was going to win uh, didn't mean I wanted him to win or didn't mean I supported him. So you know, I voted for the person I wanted rather than the person I knew was going to win. Uh, so there, that's what that is. Then why are you upset about it? You should you should have seen it coming. Well, no, I mean you know if if a tidal wave's coming, right? You know you don't you don't say oh well I'm comfortable because I've seen it. You know when it hits you, you're still going to be like oh. Probably a little even more than that, but whatever. Scape, did you have any opinions about this uh, presidential election thing? Uh, no, because just like in Epic Echo's world, there is no moist food coverage, so I don't really care. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Let's move right along because uh, we do have a lot of shows to go to. This is a crazy fun episode. It's called Brutal Beating and it involves Mr. Fahrenheit and his musical career. Uh, wow. Let's enjoy. The Earth Guard. 
the planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, Binary Girl and Mr. Fahrenheit in Brutal Beating. Thank you for calling Information Management Systems. How may I help you? I'm afraid he's not in right now. Can I put you through to his voicemail? Thank you very much. Oh, God. Sorry about that. I had to go to the bathroom. Hmm? You know, I don't know what it is recently. But a lot of foods aren't really sitting well with me. Just shoot right out. First I thought I might have become lactose intolerant, but haven't had much dairy today. Mmm, there it is. If I eat a nice full meal, about 20 minutes later, I have some, you know, important business to conduct. <laughs> and let me tell you, you're lucky the walls here are so soundproof. Oh, come on! That's disgusting! Yeah, shut up, Attractor. You don't get a say. This is cruel and unusual punishment! You're a cruel and unusual... jerk! Now shut it! Just here until you've got your cell all warmed up at the powerhouse. (sighs) Anyway, Binary Girl, as I was saying before we were so rudely interrupted... Yeah, I'll just be sitting here, and I get these, like, stabbing pains in my gut... And I can hear it gurgling in there. Jesus, are you hearing this? I guess I should take some medicine or something. Last time I did that, I didn't go for like two days. And when I did... Can you excuse me for a minute, Lisa? I'll be back. I just have to... Thanks. Oh, you have to... Shh. Uh... Okay, listen, you dumbass. Apparently you don't remember that I can only speak aloud with both bodies at once. Since this body got her arm broken by our butthead friend over there, I've had to send the other me to work and leave this one here. Since they've cut our coverage on injury pay, I've got no choice on that. But I can't exactly sit around and chat with you about your stool consistency while doing my secretarial work, now can I? Now if you kindly shut it so I can get back to work, that will be... Lonnie! Hi! No, I was just talking to myself. Nothing important. Oh, you know me. Yeah, thank God it's almost lunch. Fine. I don't care. I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> hey, so attractor. What's new with you? What? Are you a complete moron? Look, I'm just trying to make conversation. I, I don't want to make conversation with you. Yesterday you set my cape on fire! Hey, it's my job. It's nothing personal. What do you want from me? An apology? You stop breaking the law, and I'll stop kicking your ass. I don't think that's a promise I could stick to, friend. So how about we just sit here in silence, you smug in your superiority, and me picturing the ways I would tear you to pieces if this power dampener was off? Jerk! So anyway, I got this album coming out next month. For Christ's sake, do you never shut up? And you know, I think it's really cool doing an album all, but like, 
got no creative freedom on the project. You know what I mean? I could use the metal panels in the walls to slice you into perfect tents all at once. Like they've written all these songs for me. And they're great songs, too, I guess. Not, not bad, but when I brought them my songs, my special beauties, the ones I had worked on. Oh, God. Steve said he didn't think they were commercial enough. What, what does that mean, not commercial enough? And we didn't record them. None of them. Oh, seriously? Something coming from inside your mind was deemed not fit for public consumption? I cannot believe it. I know, right? Seriously. Check this out. Please, no! This one is called Burning Cold, okay? It starts out with this guitar riff. Real blazing, like... Then I come in with the vocals. You're running hot and cold, and I'm running from the start. You're standing not too old, and I'm gunning for your heart. Oh, you melt my frozen soul. You cool my burning head. You're running hot and cold, and I'm taking you to bed. Seriously, that is... That, that's pitiful. Shut your gob! Like to see you do better. Thank you for calling Information Management Systems. How may I help you? What the hell are you? Hang on just a minute, and I'll put you through. She's at work! It's the other her! Even I get it by now! Roger, it's John Berger on line three. Thanks. So? So what? Let's hear you do better. What? Right now? Yeah. You think you're better? I'd like to hear it. Yes, please. See? Her too! I'd like a tuna salad sandwich and ketchup chips. Oh, that sounds good. I'd like one too. Well, just tell Howard and I'm sure he'll get it. Who's... Who's Howard? Is, is that... Is, is that Captain Fantasy's real name? Seriously, I'm not kidding. Are you mentally challenged? Jackass. Shut up! Whatever! If you can't write a better song, I think you should just keep your mouth shut. For your information, I don't listen to that rock crap. Can we drop it? What do you like? <laughs> Country? God, no. Mostly rap and hip-hop. All right, then. So do me a rap. Do that... What do you call it? School me. If I had a belt, I could hang myself. Well, that right there is the reason why we take them away. Here, I'll lay down a beat. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh. This isn't happening. Sure is. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh. I refuse. I can keep this up all day. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh. Sorry, Lisa. Just talking to myself. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh. I'm not freestyling with the Earth God. All right, then. I'll do it. Yo, 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 I'm Mr. Fahrenheit. And don't you know, I'm totally white. Please, stop. I take it. A boom boom tsh, 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 a boom boom I can't believe I'm doing this. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh. They call me Mr. Fahrenheit or Mr. F. You better misdirect all your disrespect or I'll flame you and tame you and beat the heat and you'll meet and greet with my fists and feet. Repeat. You'll never see me on the losing team and losing scheme. I'm gonna burn up all the girls and make the floozy scream and then I'll please them and I'll please them and I'll lucid dream. I'm out of sight and when I take you out at night, I'll be whining you and and you were treating you right Until we're all alone and home we'd be hitting it tight I'll leave you so sore you think in a fight I'd have burning you so hot I'm Mr. Fahrenheit Yeah Yeah Woo That was so awesome Seriously That rocked Yeah Yeah thanks Turn off this field I'll sign your boobs I could totally use that in burning cold Like a little rap rock breakdown You know what I'm saying Whatever Seriously 
how much to buy that off you. And in your condition, I think you can use all the money you can get. Shove it! Write your own rhymes! Thank you for calling Information Management Systems. May I help you? Okay, that is getting annoying. Oh yeah? And what color is the kettle? What? I'm afraid he's not in right now. Can I put you through to his voicemail? What are you talking about? He usually checks his messages as soon as he gets in, yes. Come on, let's do another one. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh, no, a boom boom No way! No problem, a have a nice day. A boom boom tsh, a boom boom tsh. Get it! I'm just gonna keep doing this until you. Shut up! Uh. What's your problem? You're driving me crazy! Just shut the hell up! Stop talking! No more stupid rapping! Look, I thought you couldn't... I've got my hand over my other mouth. I probably look like a psycho, but I had to tell you to shut up! Thank you. Ooh, um... Wait. Does that mean you heard the name of the place she works at? You're damn right! Uh Uh-oh. Mr. Fahrenheit! Uh, yeah, hey. The powerhouse is ready for a tractor. Prepare him for transfer. Yeah, sure, no problem. Also, put out a low-priority signal to the guard. I want to call a meeting for tonight, 9 o'clock. Okay, sure, uh, what's this gonna be about? I think we need to renegotiate a few things with Mr. Grant. I tell you what, you should let me do the talking. With all the coverage I've been getting recently, I've got a... Stallion out. Jerk. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator, Elijah Weberman as Mr. Fahrenheit, Lynn Nelson as Binary Girl, Justin Haar as Attractor, Rich Bellin as The Stallion, with theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hopefully you all enjoyed that uh, little musical interlude with Mr. Fahrenheit. Uh, Scape, Mr. Fahrenheit singing, trying to take your singing thunder as you're, you're the singer of the podcast. What do you think of that? Uh, Dad, he's not very good, so uh, I could do that song way better than him. Really? Do you think so? Okay, you got, that's that's better than him. Dad, I wasn't done with the song. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but thank you for singing it. It was very good. And uh, let's move right along. Like I said, Mr. Roy Sinjin, you did some This Day in History stuff for us, right? Is it is it more election-y stuff? Uh, no, no, actually. I guess we've gotten a little bit farther away from the election. Not so much election coverage anymore on the This Day in History. This one is about uh, the Vietnam War, so to speak. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. Why? Because you say, are you suggesting I enjoy the Vietnam War? Uh, no, it's just... Well, I don't know. Let's just listen to it then. How about that? All right. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On November 10th, 1964, at a news conference, Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara says that the United States has no plans to send combat troops into Vietnam. When asked whether the United States intended to increase its activities in Vietnam, he replied, wait and see. I, Robert McNamara, do hereby pledge to the American public that I will only get my kicks by prank calling 911. And in this very pledge conference... 
press conference. Don't know what I'm talking about. I will call 911 to prove that this is a wholesome American non-communist way to get one's jollies. Hello, 911. I haven't dialed yet. Doot, doot, doot. That's three numbers. Obviously, 911. Hello, 911. Do you realize that we don't have touchtone phones yet? No. May I speak to the other 911 operator, please? Hold on. Hello, 911. What is your emergency, sir? I am about to engage in a prank. Brace yourself. Sir, this is not a game. Do you have an emergency? This is 911. Yes. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Sir, I'm going to have to hang up on you, but we're going to have to come investigate your emergency anyway. This then is not Then let funny. him out. Sir, where are you? I am at 1600 Pencil... <laughs> One, two, three, fake street. One, two, three, fake street. That's all right, sir. We've traced the call. We'll be there soon. I hate you. Thank you. As a result of all the calls into 911 as pranks because of this, the United States shut down all emergency services, and three fires later, the United States was evaporated. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Now that sounds like a story that could use some elaboration. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Yes, that third fire that caught after 911 was cancelled was in fact at a fire factory, and all the fire-making capabilities were caught fire, which meant the fire was giant and huge and super powerful. Everyone in America was in fact very upset and in a lot of danger, as the fire did spread quickly across the entire nation. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, how could 911 have helped in that sort of extreme situation anyway? And the fact is it probably couldn't. But what I didn't mention was that the reason that the fire started was because someone was trying to break into the fire-making factory, and the person who was defending it couldn't call 911, and so they, in fact, were throwing flamethrowers at the person. Had they not been throwing flamethrowers at the thief, they could have not had a fire starting in the fire factory. As an interesting side note, though, I should mention that though if America was evaporated and did go up into the atmosphere as a gas, it did, in fact, get rained back down into the ocean sometime much later in the Pacific, and it formed a small island nation. But those people on that small island nation of New America did have a 911, and didn't prank call it, because prank calling one is irresponsible and against the law. Did you know that? Well, now you do. This is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cass and Wax, and my name is Roy Sinjin. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you for that. That was a fun little historical fact and lesson. The lesson was don't prank call 911, right? Yes. And when, you know, it's, that's a good thing to, to teach people. I guess. I mean, is there a lot of problem with that? Do people prank call 911 a lot? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rory? Well, I, I, I'm also not sure, but if it, if they were prank calling 911, that would certainly be a problem. So, uh, they shouldn't. Yeah, but that's no way to look at things. I mean, people shouldn't try to eat lamps, but I doubt that they do very much. You probably don't have to do a PSA on it. No, but if you, sh- if you, if you're considering eating a lamp, please reconsider because it is quite dangerous. Most of the parts of lamps are inedible. No, everybody, that's what I'm saying. Everybody knows that. You don't have to explain that to people. If, if, you know, if, if so, if you, if you feel like, hey, uh, here's a, p- a public service announcement, uh, you know, don't shove pillows up your nose. You know, here's a public service announcement. Don't, don't attempt to light your feet on fire, uh, because you'll burn up. I mean, you know, it, it, I'm just saying, like, I don't think people are, you don't think people are calling 911 as a joke? I think that probably does happen. In fact, didn't we, speaking of the election, didn't we just hear the guy, John McCain's brother, like, called 911 to complain about traffic? Well, yeah, but that wasn't a prank. That was him being an idiot. Well, oh, look, say what you want about him, but his brother lost an election. Uh, 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 all right. Hey, no, Jordan, that's, you know, d- you shouldn't make fun because really that's the kind of freedom that John McCain went through torture for to protect is that his brother is now free to call 901 and say stupid things. That's true. That's true. Well, uh, I probably wouldn't have put it that way. But. All right. Well, let's keep moving uh, because, like I said, we do have a lot going on in this episode. This is an episode of Tractor Fiction, right, Frank? Yes. And it's uh, the second to last episode that was recorded live. Uh, it's 
it's got a lot of, you know, problems audio-wise, I got to admit. There is some uh, clipping and a little bit of uh, not as good sound quality. But, like I said, only one more episode like that in existence, and then we get to the pre-recorded, uh, studio-recorded episodes instead. So, uh, let's get right to it. This one's called Poor Little Witch. And uh, if you are reading along with the, the tracks, I should mention that there are two different versions of this tract. Uh, there's a ver- the, the original version, which is what we based it on, and then later he updated it, changed the ending a little bit so it wasn't as, as downer, and changed one of the characters' names. So if you're reading along and, and, you, and you notice some, some discrepancies, it's because we're using an older version. That was a nice little uh, service announcement for that one. Okay, well, here we are in Tractor Fiction. Good evening, everybody. This is Frank Allen here on WHRW Binghamton. This is Tract or Fiction. Tonight we have a very wonderful show for you. It's uh, it's absolutely true that it's a wonderful show. It, it's going to be a tract that Jack Chick likes to call the Poor Little Witch. Personally, I, I don't mind calling it that, but it's not my choice, really. Uh, all right. Uh, Let's see. Let's see what we got lined up for you tonight. I think we have a whole bevy of uh, people in the studio getting ready to do the tract. I can hear you whispering. <laughs> the poor I'm whispering. I'm just a voice in your head. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Kill. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, let me focus. Focus. Uh, the poor little witch. Somewhere in America, in one of the fine schools in our great system of education, a number of girls are in gym class playing volleyball. It's not all fun and games, however, for when the ball goes towards Mandy... Sweet mother of putrescence, Mandy dropped the ball again. Ugh, of course. Mandy, can't you do anything right? I'm sorry. Why do we have to put up with her? At home, Mandy struggles with bearing the hatred of her peers. Mom? Don't talk to me now, Monty. Can't you see I'm busy? Since your father left us, I'm the only one who can support this family. <sighs> I'd give anything to be like the other girls if I could only be someone. Mandy was unable, of course, to see the invisible demon that answered her unholy and selfish prayer. Oh, you can be somebody, you delicious little girl. I'll see to that. And so, the next day in school... Mandy, could you please stay after school? Oh no, what did I do wrong? Mandy, I know you're lonely, but you're such a sweet and talented girl. You should have a lot of friends. Me? Mandy raced home, elated. Mom, my teacher, Mrs. White, has invited me to a slumber party at her house this weekend. She's really nice. Can I go? Sure, why not? The night of the slumber party, Mandy went to Mrs. White's house. We have a new girl tonight. Mandy, go easy with her. (laughs) Okay. She doesn't know. Hey, Mandy, do you want to learn some really neat things? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Watch this. The girl waved her hands in a deliberate and practice pattern and the dining room table leapt into the air and twirled right before Mandy's eyes. Wow! 
Could I do that? It's easy. We'll show you how. Hey, Mandy, how would you like to see the other girls drop the ball in P.E.? I wish. They're always putting me down. Is there a way? Sure. Here's what you do. Before you go to school, light a candle, sit and stare into the light, and ask Bruce to help you. Who's Bruce? Oh, he's... A friend. Just try it and see. And so, before school, Mandy does as she is told. Oh, Bruce, you are my friend. Please help me in PE class today. Make Kathy drop the ball. I command you. Gotcha, baby. And old Bruce was as good as his word. Oof! Kathy, you're screwing up today. That's the third time. Even Mandy is playing better than you today. This is great. Across town, a certain church, which shall remain nameless, is getting a new pastor, Reverend Chuckwin. Pastor, what a blessing to have you lead our congregation. Thank you, Mrs. White. Do you find the parsonage comfortable? Oh my, yes, it's a palace! Here's a lovely gift, Reverend, to buy some new suits. Why, I've never been treated so well. Praise the Lord! We'll take good care of you, Chuckwin. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> they sure do love me. So, what do you think of him? He's a jerk. He doesn't believe in the Bible, so he's ours, bought and paid for. We'll use the same techniques on him as we used on the others. Next month, I'll ask him to join the lodge. Good. Our church will grow fast because he won't offend anyone. Soon, Mrs. White takes Mandy aside again. Mandy, you've grown so fast and filled out so nicely that we feel you should attend this meeting. You will really increase your power. That's great, Mrs. White. They hop in the car, but as they pass by the choir practice, a song of praise Enter Mrs. White's ears. Mrs. White, are you okay? You're shaking. Don't ever go to that place. It's very evil. One of our traitors goes there. Don't ever have anything to do with old Mrs. Grayson or that place. You'll be sorry if you do. Mrs. White takes Mandy to an old, abandoned, spooky-looking farmhouse where everyone is wearing dog robes. Gee, Mrs. White, I've never seen a place like this. What's going on? You ain't seen nothing, kid. Welcome, beloved brothers and sisters. Tonight is the night of a great celebration and sacrifice to our most holy father in order that he might pour our, his blessings upon us. <coughs> Sister Lorraine conceived this child especially for tonight. Oh, most holy father, accept this sacrifice. <coughs> This can't be! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Work on your timing. Here, Mandy, you must drink the child's blood and our father will bless you and give you increased powers. No, no, I, I can't. I'm, I'm sick. Drink, Mandy, or die. I'm killed! Killed! Do it! Ah. Mandy closes her eyes and drinks the baby's blood, Ugh. taking a big gulp and feeling it's satanic. Power channeling through her body. Mm, when Mrs. White drops Mandy at home, she leaves her with a warning. Mandy. <coughs> Mandy, I saw you were quite upset tonight. Don't even think about going to the police. Our high priest is the chief of police. There's no way out. 
I'll see you tomorrow. I had no idea what I was getting into. There must be a way out. <laughs> I've never been so scared in my life. What am I going to do? In her desperation, Mandy goes to the big Christian church looking for help, unaware that it is run by evil Pagans. Oh, surprise, surprise. There's little Mandy. I'm the evil Irish priest. When I tell the high priest about this, she's dead. Holy ho. Welcome to God's house. But before the sermon begins, the witches get to the pastor. Pastor, there's a witch in our church right now. If she joins our church, she'll destroy our children. You must speak out against witches or we'll leave. This is most distressing. Oh, Pastor, here's another gift showing our appreciation. You'll get rid of the witch. Okay? And so... Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live! We will not tolerate witches here! They are reprobate, foreordained to damnation. Amen! Amen. They're, they're talking about me. What am I going to do? Mandy became even more desperate and began grasping for straws. Mrs. White said Mrs. Grayson was a traitor. I've got nothing to lose. I've got to take the chance. Come in, my dear. Can I help you? <laughs> I'm in such trouble! Mrs. White said there's no way out! Oh, yes there is. I know Mrs. White and she's a liar. You got into Satanism, didn't you, dear? <laughs> yes, and they killed a baby and... Uh, how can I get out? Even the pastor said there's no hope for me. The church on Maple Road... <laughs> Yeah. I was in the craft once, and I know these people mean business. They will kill you if they can. Come with me, sweetie. I was just on my way to my church. These people are true servants of God. We'll show you how to be free. Mandy goes to the service, and she can feel God's love enter her heart. Kind of tingly. Mandy, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. His precious blood cancels any contract you've had with Satan and washes away your sins. All you have to do is pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you and become your Lord and Master. Then you can use his power to get rid of the demon. Lord Jesus, please forgive me and wash me clean. I want you as my Lord and Savior. I want to serve you instead of Satan. Now, Mandy, you must rebuke Satan and his demons in the name of Jesus. Satan, I will no longer serve you. Jesus is my Lord and Master. Ruth, you and all the demons in my body, soul, and spirit, stop wiggling. I command you to leave me now in the name of Jesus Christ. Fine. Sheesh. Man, what a jerk. You must not go home tonight, Mandy. This is the full moon. It's too dangerous. Stay here a while. They'll try to kill you. Please, Mandy. Oh, no thank you. I'll be all right. Unfortunately, Mandy was as wrong about that as she was about pretty much every everything in her life thus far. As she walked home, a van pulled up beside her. Come on, kid. It's time to party. But I don't want to party. Mandy was murdered by Satanists that night, but she stood firm and did not, did not deny Jesus. The same night, Reverend Chuckwin died in his sleep because he was fat. They both came before God's throne shortly after. Mandy first. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did not deny my name. Therefore, 
I am not ashamed of you, Mandy. What? Enter to the joy of the Lord. Here I am, Lord. Shockwind, you walk of iniquity. Evil. The blood of Mandy and many others is on your hands as well as the crappy ending of this tract. I mean, honestly, why does the protagonist die at the end of this one? Anyway, you called out my name but did not follow my commands. You worked for money in the praise of men, and you despise the word. Now depart from me into hell. The end. Thank you, everybody. That was Poor Little Witch. Golf clap. Tracked uh, by Jack Chick. All right. So, uh, now, as is traditional, we do have to do a debate. Uh, can I have the first debator, uh, please? Would you please raise your hand? There we go. Debater number one, what's your name? My name is Narrator. Narrator. Nice to meet you. I like when we have characters from the tract. The narr- well, narr- you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, debater number two. Okay, sir. I'm Hans Mole Man. Han- Hans? Hans Mole Man, okay. You hurt? I hurt all over. Well, be very careful. Be very careful. All right. Now, let's uh, let's find out who's on what side of this uh, tract, so to speak. Okay. Narrator, uh, fittingly enough, you be- you believe that the story you told was true? Well, of course. And uh, Mr. Mole Man, uh, yes. you, you believe that the story he told us was false. Oh. So you, be- you get to begin us off and say why it was false. I got angina from reading this story. That doesn't make it not true. Yes, it does. Was it the angina of falsehood? Only Satan would give me angina from hearing a story like that, and my mother-in-law, and my wife. So the implication being that because you got angina, it's false. And because because obviously Satan and your wife and your mother-in-law are involved. Indeed. Okay. Uh, Do you have any uh, comebacks against that lofty claim? That does not make sense. What does that have to do with anything? Um, We have an angina expert. It's a commonly held myth that angina is caused by some kind of medical condition, as if your precious science could do anything about it. Oh, no, sir. No. Angina is purely the work of the Beast Master. He lurks in the shadows, and I and other members of the you Society mean like of that Jesus crappy- hunt him down. You mean like that crappy movie? Yeah, the Beast Master, that, that was a movie, and the guy had the eye on the ring that could see no. things. No, no, I mean, no. like, the adversary. because oh, I narrated that movie, too. He got cast out of heaven. The, the adversary from the, the comic Fables. Let's make one thing very clear here, okay. Mr. Allen. Yeah. Your little radio show, which uses demons to broadcast. There's no I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hold, hold Did you say we use demons to broadcast? Obviously, you're oh. using machines. Machines are powered by science, which is the same thing as evil. Oh. oh. And, and Pazuzu, who is Satan, is the prince of air. Also true. Yeah. So if you breathe, you're you're taking in Satan. All right. Well, you're we are taking Satan we are every day. Of course not. <laughs> Haven't you noticed that I'm oh. such a lovely shade of blue? Let's let let's let Mr. Moleman uh, uh, get his argument back to on on track. I think that this is the worst argument I've ever read. Hey yo, and I read all of Reader's Dice jokes. <gasps> I did oh. notice he caught I'm that. Really, God in disguise. Wait, God. Oh. I think God has kind of a, a lilting feminine voice. Look, I'm not that God. Oh, oh. Okay. I'm just a God. God, not specific. From now, uh, from now on, if somebody asks you if you're a God, you oh, say, "Oh man, yes." yes. All right. That worked. 
Actually, believe it or not, that happened. Someone walked up to me and they they had a knife and I was like, you'd better not cut me. He's like, why? Are you a god? And I said, yes. And then some heavenly power made me a god. And I have devoted my life to impersonating Mole Man and to proving that tracts are false. Well, well, we're doing... Wow. Yeah. Indeed. Oh, we have another expert, actually. Yes, I'm an expert on witches. (laughs) Really? What's your... What's How how are you uh, so familiar with witches? I'm actually a witch. Oh, (laughs) that makes sense. Never would have figured it. Ladies and gentlemen in Radio Land, you can't see this, but she's actually wearing a, a pointy brimmed hat and she has a long warty no wait a second what's uh, going I, on here i'm here to say that this, well, we this did do the is nose. actually true satan and does, the hat does rule the witches and and he dresses us up like this all right Told so you. are you so you're really but, a witch or not i'm really a witch all right well you guys know don't truthfully don't suffer her to live come on i know this story is true because i am satan Wait a minute. Okay. All right. Ah, That's it. I am God and you are Satan. Let's settle this the only way. And Satan says he's telling the truth. And God says he's lying. Or orange throwing contest. Your choice. No, no, no. Let's flip a coin. Excellent. Oh, flip a coin. Here we go. We're going to do. Call it. Wait, this is. No, hold on. This isn't a call. Oh, this isn't a call it. This is. I know the answer. We're going to do the traditional who's right and who's wrong. And this is where we find out. No, we're going to find out. It's kind of taken on. I call it. We find out That's both whether you know you're right. gonna lose. All right, pause. I made that quarter have two heads. We're gonna find out. We both win. We're God and Satan united for the first time. I didn't flip in the coin 18, yet. Eighteen thousand years. Wait until oh, I flip it. It might come up ha- tails, and then she's lying. It's both heads. Let's find no, out. No tails. It's well, it's heads. So. <laughs> yeah! God and Satan win. Yeah. Go team, Nobody God and Satan. Hey Satan. <laughs> hey Satan, what are you doing next week? Uh, barbecue. <laughs> oh, I was gonna have poker night. You wanna have barbecue on Friday, poker night on Saturday? Sounds good. Excellent. All right, all right. Man, awkward. Well, that was probably the most helpful tractor fiction ever because it did reunite the forces of good and evil. Yeah. episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Aaron Bass, Rich Bellin, Lynn Nelson, Jen Piper, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Samuel Thomason, Angela Tyman, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. Now, Frank, that was another episode with the devil on it. I've noticed that you've had a lot of devils on the show. I mean, you, you've had a couple of different ones. They sound completely different. Are they just the same guy making, like, in different disguises? Or uh, Actually, no, they're not. Thank you for that transition, Jordan. I do appreciate it. Uh, no, they're not the same devil. And in fact, uh, now that you mention it, I actually did a special Frank Allen interview dealing with that fact over the past week. Uh, it was kind of trying because they, they flew me up to Alaska for it. You don't like Alaska? No, I'm fine with Alaska. Uh, uh, well, anyway, the point is there there a couple of devils wanted to have something of a debate. And I guess this is the final series of debates. They're having an election for prime devil or something to that effect. And uh, two of these devils that we've heard before were in the running. I guess the one that we heard just now was not. So he must have lost earlier. And I, I know we've heard a couple other ones. And I think there was a devil on Debatatorium two weeks ago. So again, he must have lost as well. Uh, but we did have two different devils. Uh, you'll all recognize them. And uh, they were debating. So I guess the, the, the political season's not over in hell yet. Not quite yet. I think it will be very soon. Okay. All right. Well, so, so let's get right to it then, shall we? Absolutely. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. 
Hello and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. This is a very special episode of Frank Allen Interviews starring Frank Allen because I, Frank Allen, will be talking to, and they will be talking to each other, two incarnations of um, the gentleman that some people know as uh, Satan or things like that. Uh, we've had a few uh, Satans appear on Tractor Fiction and Debatatorium, things like that. Well, today we actually have two of them in one room, uh, so they're not actually the same person as some people might have suggested. Anyway, uh, the point is they're going to be having a bit of a debate here, what one might call a devil-off to, you know, uh, uh, see who can out-devil the other devil, uh, so to speak. Uh, and who's the prime devil, the devil incarnate? Uh, I don't know. Look, we got two devils. Isn't that, isn't that enough for you people? Here's my first devil. Say hello and introduce yourself, please. Greetings, you repulsive, putrid-smelling morons. I am Beezlebub Master of the Underworld and Whisperer in your ear at night. I would first like to thank the University of Alaska for hosting this debate, and thank you, Frank Allen, for having me. Thank you very much, Frank. You're very welcome. Uh, and so, like I said, that's uh, devil number one. And uh, devil number two over here is a, a person uh, podcast listeners will be familiar with as well. Why, hello, everyone. B. Fox is the name, and I am the most devilish devil of them all. <laughs> Is that all you have to say? Yes. All right. So, uh, let me get right to my questions. Why, uh, oh, okay, how am I going to refer to you? Uh, what, what, what can I call you? I am the people's devil, so you can call me Bub, because I like to rape soccer moms, and I support soccer moms. Bub. Call me Bub. All right. Um, and, and you? Like I said, B. Fox. You can call me Mr. Fox. All right. Um, so let's start with Bub. Bub, why should you be chosen as the, uh, the ultimate devil, the true one devil? Look, I understand the pain that people are feeling because I am the one who is inflicting it. I think that what people need is, I don't know what the people need. I'm not used to thinking of things that people need. But I want your vote, and if you don't give it to me, I will come to you at night. Okay, and uh, Mr. Fox? Well, it's funny that he mentions that, because, of course, if you do vote for him, I will come to you at night. You're kind of screwed either way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was... Deplorable. You shouldn't treat people that way. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? Go ahead. Oh, it's quite all right. I won't treat them that way normally. In fact, especially if I'm elected devil. What I will do is treat them more horribly. <laughs> you laugh too much. That's repulsive. I hate you. And I think that treating people more horribly is the domain of here, bub. I'm the only one who can do that. Okay, so wait. Let me. I'm trying to clarify your positions. You're saying uh, if you, bub, you're saying if you don't get elected, you'll torture people, and if you do, you will also torture people. So basically, and I think that's the same position that Mr. Fox has. It sounds like you don't really disagree. You want your commander in evil to be able to dole out evil in an extremely evil way. Do you see what I'm saying here? It is very important that you understand precisely my point. I have a plan. I have a plan to deliver evil. Thank you. Okay. I am a politician. I don't speak in specifics. All right. Um. So, but Mr. Fox, do you have anything? I mean, I, do you disagree with him? It doesn't sound like there's much to disagree with. Oh, I disagree entirely. In fact, you want your devil to be the most moral man in the world. <laughs> of course, I'm lying when I say that. Did you get that? Did you get the lie part? I was lying about it, which makes me more immoral than this guy who's telling you the truth. <laughs> I think that there is two kinds of evil. Insane evil, which is what we have facing 
sitting me across the table here because he seems insane. And then you have calculated evil, which is what I will bring to the table. Ivy League evil. Oh, you see that? He started out saying he was one of the people, and now he's one of the evil elite. Well, how can you trust a man like that? I would say you can't, except that you don't want to trust the devil, so you shouldn't trust me. <laughs> I understand what is important to the people of this world. I think that what we need is someone who can handle foreign policy. I will sit down with the Lord Jesus Christ. I will sit down with God across the table, and we will discuss ways that we can work together to make people miserable. Just, okay, wait. Uh, does Jesus want to make people miserable? I thought that Jesus wanted to save them. No, Jesus is my best friend. Jesus and I have been conspiring to make people miserable for 2,008 years. Yes, we began on the day he was born. Oh, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you want someone as your devil who goes palling around with saviors? <laughs> I would say not. If you want the candidate for change, vote for him. But if you're happy with things the way they are, vote for me. Well, that kind of raises a question. Who's voting on this? Because I would imagine anybody in hell would, wouldn't want anybody who was going to torture them. We have a system of electoral colleges, so basically your vote doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> oh, do you hear that? He's stealing my love <laughs> That's not right, you <laughs> There, I'm laughing all day long and you can't stop me. <laughs> well, that, that was his laugh shtick. I think you're stealing that. Look, the important thing is that the economy is crumbling and we need someone who can keep the downward spiral until all of the stockbrokers jump out the windows and join me in hell. I am the candidate to destroy the economy. I am the candidate to ruin foreign relations. I am the candidate of change and of staying the same. I am an inevitability. I am bub of the people. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Fox, let me ask you something then since... Uh I want to. Uh, people have actually been accusing, well, both of you, but especially you, of negative campaigning. What What do you think of that? And would you say you have been negative campaigning, or would you say that you haven't? If you think this is negative campaigning, you have seen nothing yet, because I will start to systematically overthrow everything he's ever done in his whole life. Oh, oh, I am just getting excited just thinking about it. One time, he went to the store, and he asked for baby, baby sandwich. It was terrible. Oh, it was so scary. And you would not believe it. He is a Presbyterian. This is exactly the kind of trash talk that our nation and our world doesn't need anymore. We need to look positively. We need to talk about the babies we could be eating, not the babies we did eat. We need to be talking about the economies we could destroy, not the ones that are already in the gutter. We need to talk about the virgins who could be deflowered, not the ones who already had the babies. Because you already ate their babies. There's no babies to have anymore. <laughs> You can judge me by my record. I stand by everything that I've done. You, on the other hand, are new to all of this and we don't know what we're going to get. At least with me, when I eat a baby sandwich, you knew I was going to eat a baby sandwich. Yes, but what you don't realize is that when you ate that baby sandwich, I pooped it! Really? <laughs> Thank you. And you, Frank Allen, thought that this was going to be a negative campaign. Me and my opponent here, we agree on so many things. Thank you for the poop in my sandwich. Well, I'm glad you liked it then. <laughs> 
Right. Uh, okay. I guess we've got to start probably wrapping up this uh, little debate. Because uh, w- w- uh, I'm a little uninformed about this because, thankfully, I don't live in hell. What? Uh, when do people get to vote? How do they get to vote? What? What is it they need to do? When is it they need to report? For those of you who enjoy watching Fox News, tune in midnight tonight. I can't say that we will announce the winner, but there will be something evil on anyway. Basically, what happens is, if you want to cast your ballot for him, make sure you scream out kind of a sound when you get tortured today. And if you want to vote for me, kind of go ooh instead. Yes, so vote for me and vote for him. No, 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 it's more of a Oh, you mean the sound that you make when you poop. You would know, Mr. Sandwich. Right, so let's go with uh, just one final word from each of the uh, candidates, I suppose, uh, and uh, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Mr. Bob. Again, I would like to thank the University of Alaska and Sarah Palin for hosting this debate. It is very important that we can have an honest and open discussion without the censor of the mainstream media. It goes without saying that whether you vote for me or for my opponent, you are doomed. But I think that what you should do is scream out, for me. I will be honest with you. Yes, I have eaten a baby or two in my time. Yes, I have occasionally done good things. I will admit it. But what I will never do is lie to the American people. Thank you for hosting me. And God bless America. All right. And Mr. Fox? Well, I think it's all quite clear that a vote for him is a vote for someone who has poop in their teeth. Don't you hear? He ate my poop and he enjoyed it. So I think it's clear that I, as a non-poop eater, would be a better devil. Do you want a devil who will eat your poop or do you want a devil who will put poop in your food? I think we know the answer. Thank you. The the answer I meant was to vote for me. Please. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you to both of you for attending this and for paying to have me flown out to Alaska. It was a one-way ticket. Good luck getting home. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, and I guess we'll, I'll be back at some point for another Frank Allen interview starring Frank Allen, which is me, and uh, have a good night. That was a weird debate. And you, uh, you were left in Alaska after that? I was. Uh, unfortunately, thankfully, uh, I did get back, obviously, but, uh, it was, it was very expensive and I had to spend quite a bit of my own money, which was not easy. It's not easy to spend money? Well, it's easy to spend money. It's not, it's not going to be easy to live thereafter. Oh, okay. I got you. Uh, I mean, Rory, you hear that? This, you you made like a ton of money last week and this guy got, got kind of screwed out of a ton of money last week. Uh, that's unfortunate. Yes. That's really too bad. Perhaps you should invest in some sort of, uh, other other form of business besides, you know, working at a supermarket and um, hoping to become a radio host someday. Well, thanks. I mean, I would prefer to actually be a radio host. No, of course you would. Of course you would. But what I'm saying is, of course, the fact that you have no money is really your own fault, isn't it? I mean, you don't do anything, so... Oh, I wouldn't. Come on now. Well, no, realistically, I'm just saying you work at a supermarket and I mean, you, you must not get paid very much. What, minimum wage? No, I don't get minimum wage. Thank you. I get far more than minimum wage. Far more than minimum wage. So are you, are you salaried? No, I'm okay. No, I still get paid hourly, but, you know, more than minimum wage. Really? Uh, so 
How, how much is that? Why do we have to discuss? Look, I don't. It's not regardless of how much I make. Well, do you make? Do you make forty thousand dollars a year? Perhaps even. I, what, this is making me very. Jordan, can we? Can you stop him? Because this is making me very uncomfortable. I'm just. All I'm saying is that it's if you're. It's your choice to work there, and you can always find another job and do something you know useful to the world, like I do, like Jordan does. You know, like many people do. Uh, uh, Jordan, can you please stop him? Because I am going to do something. Rory, Rory, we should probably leave Frank alone about that, because that's kind of a sensitive... T- you know he wants to become a host. Of course. I mean, who doesn't want to become... I mean, I don't want to become a host, but, you know, I'm sure there are people who, who do. Is the, the point is, yes, whatever. Good, good. Uh, we do have another show. Uh, well, I should say, again, thank you, Frank, for that debate. It was it was funny. Well, I don't think it was supposed to be funny. Well, then it was informative and good. And I, I didn't really quite understand, I gotta say, because they were saying, God bless America? So who was supposed to vote on it? Was it are the damned voting, or are the Americans voting? Uh, you know, again, I, it's not... I, hell politics are not clear to me. I don't really... Get, I sounded like the hell people get to vote, but there was a lot of talk of America. I don't know how it works. Maybe because it's because he also has a position. In addition to ruling over hell, he also comes up and messes with people. Although that's in every country. I, I don't know. I really don't know the deal. It's also possible that the entire thing was a lie. They both were devils. So they could have just been messing with me. That's possible as well. I didn't even think of that. Well, you know, these things happen. But I did get a free trip to Alaska that actually, now that I think about it, wasn't free. It was very expensive. So I got a trip to Alaska that cost me a lot more than I ever would have. So, you know, now that more I think about this, the more I think it might have just been to, 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 to screw me over. Wow. Those guys, those guys suck. I really don't like those guys. Well, you never know. I mean, find out. I guess, you know, you never know. Maybe it was real. Maybe. Anyway, uh, like I said, we do have to get right to the show. This is an episode of Decker and Hayes, Season 2, called Secrets and Lies. Uh, if you remember, last time we saw the Decker and Hayes crew, Macy was in their offices, having been tortured and messed with by a couple of CIA agents, and she had just come upon Tommy Potsdam, her secretary, and was threatening him with a gun. Let's see what happens. Decker and Hayes, Season 2, Episode 5, Secrets and Lies, by Lynn Nelson. In a time of disgraceful revelry and rising crime, the Decker and Hayes detective agency had been Parlor Town's one saving grace. Stella Decker and Macy Hayes were the epitome of a loving relationship, and a dynamic, crime-busting duo. Now Macy had been put in jail for killing her former boss, and Stella was hard at work on a case with a former CIA agent, or so he claimed to be. This was not purely coincidence, since Macy had just been released from prison on the condition that she helped wrap up a case that she had botched in Russia during her days with the agency. Of course, appearances can be deceiving, and the so-called CIA operatives who had taken her into custody had spent some quality time with Macy, torturing her for information. Tommy Potsdam, the girl's secretary, was more than surprised to see Macy in the office this evening, as both he and Stella still thought Macy was in jail. Now she stood before him in a black cat suit, her hair slicked back into a ponytail, and her eyes wild with a gun trained on him. Miss Hayes? What, what's going on? I know what's going on between you and Stella. Oh, gross! I mean, nothing against Miss Secker. It's just, well, she's my employer, and that would be hardly appropriate. Enough, you sniveling whiny pervert! I mean, I know Stella has been hiding files in your desk, the one that you keep locked so tightly. I know that you've been somehow keeping tabs on me since I started dating Stella. 
You sneaky little bastard. You had me fooled with your innocent smile and your pansy accent. But I know what a well-trained operative you are, and I am, frankly, sick and tired of being taken advantage of around here. Open your desk, Tommy. I want to see what kinds of things you and Stella have in there. Macy, Miss Hayes, you're not making any sense. I haven't even known you since you and Stella started dating, and the only one spying around here is Paige. Paige? Who's Paige? Stop stalling, boy. Paige is a woman who's been bugging this office. <laughs> sure, boy, whatever you say. <laughs> Look, I don't have time for games. Open your desk. Tommy hurried over behind the desk and opened all of its drawers, none of which, by the way, had locks on them. Macy followed behind, her gun still aimed directly at Tommy's head, and rustled through the papers in his desk with one hand. She stopped, clasped her gun with both hands, and closed one eye behind her gun. Where's the rest of it? I don't have all day, Tommy, and you only have until the count of three. Where are your secret files? She advanced toward Tommy, who stumbled backward and found himself hitting the doorframe of the lobby bathroom. He nearly fell backwards into it, slammed the door shut, clicked the knob locked, and backed up to the toilet. He sat on the floor of the bathroom, sobbing and begging Macy to calm down. One. Two. Three. No one heard the shots from Macy's silenced gun, and no one saw her slip out of her office. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Stella had left Agent Jason Drake, alias Derek Washburn, in the ER waiting room while her friend, Lucky John White, was being admitted. She was told she had an hour left to visit hospital patients, and was directed to Tasha's room. Tasha was a blade, and Stella's ex-girlfriend. She'd shown up at the office of Decker and Hayes, bleeding from a gunshot wound to the gut. Before she went to Tasha's room, she stopped at a payphone. She dialed a number, but got an answering machine. Julie, it's Stella. Listen, I didn't want to bring you into this, but I really need your help again. This new case I took is taking a turn for the bazaar, and I need you to keep an eye on someone for me. His name is Jason Drake, and he's apparently a CIA agent or some nonsense. We're at Our Lady of Mercy, and I have some business to attend to. I left him alone in the waiting room at ER, and I don't think he can be trusted. If you get this in time, can you drop by and keep an eye on him? Don't let on that you're there. Just check him out. He's the blonde in the shiny suit. I might need you to hold on to him for a bit, so if I don't see you tonight, I'll call you later. Thanks, Jules. Stella hung up and went down to Tasha's room. She stopped in the doorway for a minute and watched her ex-lover, nervously biting her nails. She was very pale and looked fatigued, but for a gunshot victim, she looked pretty... well... sexy. Tasha suddenly felt Stella's eyes on her and looked up. She let out a weak chuckle. <laughs> you always were obsessed with my nail-biting. It's a nasty habit. How are you, dollface? Oh, I've been hurt worse. Have you? Sure. Remember that time in 88? No, actually, I don't, Tasha. Where have you been, Kit? We'd practically given up on you. I'm so sorry, Stell. Well, what was it? Did you finally just get fed up with me and decide to leave? Go out on your own? I know we fought a lot, Tasha, but hell, you could have talked to me if you were upset about the way things were going. I know that the last fight was a bad one, but I don't even remember what we fought about. We were a good team, you know? I didn't mean to hurt you, Stella. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Well, what, then? What could I have possibly done that was so terrible to drive you away? It wasn't you. It was... Not to mention that I've finally gotten over that pain and moved on with my life, and now I'm happy, and you show up, I'll shut up, and... Los arañas. The spiders? You, you fought them? I didn't get the chance. They ambushed me. Jesus, Tosh, you've... 
You've been with them this whole time. In the beginning, they were going to somehow tell the rest of you and use me as leverage. Finally get that showdown they wanted on their terms. They wanted you. They wanted Lucky. Man, how they wanted to take down Lucky. But then they decided they were enjoying themselves too much. Oh, Stella. It was so awful. Enjoying themselves. Tasha. Tasha, Jesus, what did they do to you? Everything. Anything. I don't know. It all put together. I got so used to it. I'm so ashamed. Are they the ones that shot you? I started stealing from them. A little at a time. They leave me in a room after they were done with me. And I eventually started going through their drawers, taking a few dollars here and there. I think I was foolish enough to think I could run away, catch a bus somewhere, and just disappear. Anyway, I'd hoarded money away under the mattress in the room they kept me in, and in my pockets. They never let me wear my clothes. They never even looked at them. It seemed safe. I just couldn't get up the courage to actually leave. God, they found you out? Johnny Vasquez did. He barely said a word to me. They had their last hurrah and put me in their car. They drove me somewhere in the middle of town, some alley, and shot me. Just left me for dead. I dragged myself into the building I was leaning against and fell into your boy's arms. You weren't looking for me? Sorry, Stell. I guess I'm just lucky they decided to kill me next door to you. I didn't find out until after surgery that it was your boy who called me in. I'm still a little in shock. You and me both. Jeez, I'm so sorry, Tosh. I should have... I should have done a better job looking for you. You were always the toughest one. It's not your fault, Stell. Aside from me, of course. I just... We... We just... We never thought you'd be in that kind of trouble. I just thought you'd left me. Stella, it's not your fault. It did look like I left you. You didn't tell them to do this. They just did. Well, I'm sorry I yelled at you. It's okay. You're still the jerk you always were. Listen, now that we've gotten all mushy and stuff, I have a question. Yeah, sure. Did the names Derek Washburn or Jason Drake mean anything to you? No, I've never heard of them. Why? What's up? Well, that's a long story. Just curious. You're just as hot as always, Stella Decker. I guess I can't keep up a hope that you're single after all these years, can I? I've got a great jailbird of a girl. What? But you'll always be in my heart, Tosh. Listen, get some sleep. I'll come see you tomorrow, okay? You owe me an explanation for that jailbird remark. It's a date. Stella kissed Tasha on the forehead and went down the hall to the elevator. Her head was reeling from what Tasha had just told her, and she needed a cold drink. She stopped on the second floor to get a soda from the vending machine before she went back to the ER. As she came out of the elevator, she saw a familiar figure standing down the hall. Julian McGinnis was leaned over the nurse's desk, chatting in a very friendly manner with a young male nurse. Stella cocked her head and walked over to the desk. Julian! Um, hi. Got my message? Oh, what? Your what? No. Really? No, uh... Oh, I mean, I was going to say how fast that was of you. I was kind of surprised that you'd be here, really. It was kind of a long shot. But, uh, what are you doing here? I heard you were here. What? Because of that girl that was hurt, right? Or something? I came to check on you. 
How did you- What's with the third degree, Stell? You know what kind of business I'm in. Oh, I trust you, Jules. I'm just curious as to why you're looking for me on the maternity ward. <laughs> uh, I just got lost, you know? This very helpful nurse was just going to have you paged for me. But I guess I won't be needing his services after all. Thanks, kid. But I guess I'm set for the moment. Well, listen. Then walk me back to ER. We need to talk about a lot of things. Across town, Macy's sleek, vinyl-covered figure slipped through a door into an unlit room in an apartment building. She took the gun with the silencer attachment out of a hidden pocket on her hip and placed it on a table she felt by the door. She peeled black gloves off her hands and put them beside her gun. Using the edge of the table as a guide, she walked around it to a chair that she knew was sitting beside it. She sat down, quietly, and crossed her legs. From the other side of the room, she heard the click of a gun being cocked. The boy is hiding something. I can see it written all over his pathetic face. He didn't have any unusual files on him, but he's got them. Somewhere. My only regret is that I didn't get to see his face before he died. Oh, no? Some people were making noise at the other end of the hall. Couldn't risk that they were coming into the office. I had to slip out. Can't be too careful. Paranoia certainly isn't something you learned from Cross. Let's hope that you didn't catch his pride, either. Jealousy isn't particularly becoming on you, Alexis. Macy heard a second soft click, and a dim light came on. He was sitting on a small nightstand beside a bed. On the bed was Lexi, barely dressed in a two-piece lacy negligee. A red choker accentuated her graceful neck, and her dark hair tumbled down around her shoulders. She was aiming a gun at Macy. Oh, Lexi. How romantic. You always know it revs my engine. I've always known you better than you know yourself. When are we supposed to meet with Landsberg? We have a lunch date with him in an hour and a half. That gives us a little time to play cops and robbers. Macy walked over to the bed, climbed over her, and kissed her deeply, passionately on the lips. The only one who has to be jealous around here is Stella. Stella who? Back at the office of Decker and Hayes, Tommy Potsdam was pacing in the lobby. Macy's shots had been too high, as she had been aiming for where his head and chest would be, if he'd been standing up. Why she didn't come into the bathroom to check on him, he didn't know, but he had heard the door click, and her footsteps retreat away from the office. After waiting a good half-hour to see if she'd come back, he'd finally gotten up the courage to come out. He had been dancing nervously around the lobby since then. He had no idea where Stella was or when she'd be back, and Macy was acting like a madwoman. Finally, he made a choice. He picked up the phone, dialed, and listened to an answering machine greeting. Hello? This is Tommy Potsdam, Miss Hayes and Miss Decker's secretary. I need to speak with you urgently. Please call the office as soon as you get this. I... I don't know who else to call. Who is Tommy calling? Has Macy really been brainwashed? What have Landsberg and Lexi done to her? Is Landsberg really a mafia man? And what was Julian McGinnis doing at the hospital? Her answers, and probably a lot more questions... Tune in to next week's episode of Decker and Hayes. Put on the red light. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tyman, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Tommy Potsdam was Nicholas Roach, Julian McGuinness was Rich Bellin, Lexi Grayson was Kate Slotwinski, and Tasha was Guinevere Eckert. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. And we don't have a ton of time, so we do have to get right to 
our listener mail. Uh, just before I get into it, I should say, if you have any uh, urge to write into us and talk to us about something, you can write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. Right, Scape? Right! I sang a song about that one time. That's right, you did. That's right, you did. But I don't want to hear it right now. Let's go to listener mail. This first bit of mail is from a famous person. And looks like it's regarding the interview that uh, Frank Allen did on the last full show. Frank, you want to read it for us? Sure, no problem. Uh, Jordans White, both D and A. I, Thomas Alva Edison, inventor, wizard, and time traveler, have been listening to Cast and Wax from my crystal palace in Tahiti for some time now. And I'm shocked, shocked to hear that someone would accuse Jordan D. White of plagiarism. The podcast may not represent the last word in radio serials. They have so far failed utterly to include me, Thomas Alva Edison, but they are entirely original content. No doubt this specious Jordan Aloysius White is a serpent man in disguise, one of many that harasses me, Thomas Alva Edison, throughout time and space whenever I try to relax and have a nice time. For shame, disguised serpent man, my outrageous scope beeps to express that I am outraged, which I am. My revenge shall be swift and awesome. Also, real person Jordan, I, Thomas Alva Edison, preemptively accept your apology for not including me, Thomas Alva Edison, in Cast and Wax, and accept in advance your invitation to appear on your podcast. No harm and... No foul. Yours in science, Thomas Alva Edison. Thank you very much, Thomas. It was good of you to write in. Uh, now, I should mention, I think we mentioned you briefly in Epic Echoes, kind of a an offhand reference to the fact that you were president once. Or maybe if it wasn't in Epic Echoes, it might have been in the episode of the podcast in which we talk about Epic Echoes a lot, the, uh, the final debate episode episode. But you're right, you have not yet appeared. Uh, but you will. I promise you this, and soon. Uh, Debatatorium will be ending soon. The first season, Debatatorium 2006, and I have it on good authority, namely my memory, that you, Thomas Alva Edison, do appear in Debatatorium 2007. You probably don't remember that because you're, you know, a time traveler, so you're probably writing from a point before you appeared on it. So, now you know. And let's see, we do have another, one more email. Rory, perhaps you would read this? This is uh, an email regarding the last episode of Debatatorium that, that aired. Oh, sure, no problem. Uh, to whom it may concern, I was listening to your show and heard mention of the handmade chair beads TM from Planet Small. I've been looking to purchase some more for my home, but cannot find an order form on your website. Please direct me to Ms. Dot so I may inquire over some custom chair beads TM for my place. For Ms. Dot, if she's listening, Krautar has many lovely examples of your chair beads TM. I admire them whenever we dine together. Please allow me to acquire some for my home. Thank you, Delfina Zanus, Vice President of Decorating Seventh Sun Hotels. I don't know that you understand things correctly, Delfina. Um, Frank, do you want to take this? Because I think this is a little unpleasant. Uh, yeah. Actually, I, I can handle this. Uh, Delfina... Those chair beads, uh, those are, those are dead aliens. Those are dead aliens from Planet Small. As Miss Small, I don't know why you're calling her Miss Dot, but Miss Small is the thing that Kraltar thought was a chair bead. So any chair beads you've seen are other residents of Planet Small who are dead and put on chairs for some reason. Uh, it's very unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a market. It's, it's sort of like poaching market. So it's, it's really terrible. And, uh, I'm gonna have to turn you in. That's another expose for me. So I don't mind that. But, uh, yeah, you're gonna to go to jail. Uh, no, wait, Frank, I got this letter. I mean, you don't, how can you get credit for this? In fact, I just was answering it and then said, do you want to take it over? Well, yeah, but you said, do you want to take it over? So now it's my deal. Well, that doesn't really seem fair. Well, it is fair. So 
another Frank Allen solves another crime, please someone alert the authorities or well, whenever you hear this, call the police and tell them that if they have not yet arrested this person, they should now. Um, actually, that that's that's going to be creating problems for the police. That's just like the prank calling nine one one thing. That's this was this is just going to cause trouble if everyone calls the police at the time when they hear this. You know, who knows when they're going to hear this? They could hear this six months from now. The person's already in jail. It, this is just going to be causing problems. I can't believe you didn't even listen. We had that whole debate over whether or not calling nine one one is a problem. The prank calling nine one one and and you still didn't even pay attention. Okay, okay, fine. Don't call. Listen, don't call the police. But that means a criminal might be going. For Why don't you just call the police yourself right now? I don't want to. So, look, I'm a reporter. I report the facts. I don't, you know, act on the facts. Okay, Frank. Well, let's. You know what? It's been great to have a show going on, uh, but we do have to go. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And again, if you'd like to write to us, castinwax at gmail.com. It's one word, castinwax at gmail.com. Tell us what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show, but preferably more what you liked about the show. Thank you again from me and my co-host. My name is Jordan e. White, and we will be seeing you. N'est-ce pas la vérité? Et je souhaite cette page de l'année, mais je sais, ce n'est pas vrai. Je souhaite, je suis en célébrité, que vous vous rappelez quand votre chat est mauvais. Et je souhaite que j'ai survolé, mais je sais, ce n'est pas vrai. Je souhaite mon chanson arrêter, chanter en anglais, c'est ma langue préférée. Et je souhaite mon français parfait, mais je sais, ce n'est pas. On the next episode of Cast and Wax, on Epic Echoes, Fertris is cute but obnoxious. Are you all right, little man? Who are you calling Yato? I can free the fiddle. Hey, dinner, dinner, I've got a free Yato meadow. I don't mean to be rude, but we're having kind of an important meeting. Meeting? What a freaking meeting. I'd rather be eating. On Tractor Fiction, we have the sickest episode ever. You know, Henry, I know your secret. <sighs> Look, I've been telling everyone at the general store that I'm not... Oh, um, what... Secret, I guess it wasn't that. I know what's going on with you and Lisa. That's some pretty juicy gossip. I'll keep quiet, old buddy, if we can share and share like. And unlike Mother, there's some kind of conspiracy. It's all over the news sites and blogs, and the story's consistent. President night, Ravel a man in a diet of chikungunya, which was transmitted through a mosquito bite. It's got to be the aliens! R- right, Perry? Not quite, JJ. But it could easily be the conspiracy. Oh, come now, Mother. All this, plus an interview and historical facts, coming November 17th to Waxwork.com.